What is up, everybody? Welcome into Locked on Tigers. I'm your host, Chris Castellani. It is Thursday, December 17th, 2020. Thank you for tuning in today. Some heavy subject matter here in the first segment. In segment number two, I'm going to talk about A.J. Hinch, who's kind of come out of hiding over the last week and made some comments about the Tigers, about the roster, about the mindset of the organization. And it's been pretty interesting. I, I like listening to A.J. Hinch talk. He's, he's an interesting, fun guy to listen to. But in segment number one, I am going to talk about a piece that broke on The Athletic yesterday by Katie Strang and Ken Rosenthal about Omar Vizquel's domestic abuse allegations. Uh, This is something I wasn't sure I would cover on the show, but sadly it does link back to the Detroit Tigers, and I I am going to talk about that a little bit. Uh, This article, like I said, was posted on The Athletic. If you haven't read it yet and you have the subscription to The Athletic, it's, it's very powerful. Uh, stuff, you know, difficult stuff to read. And if you're someone with who has kind of a history with that stuff or has, has dealt with domestic violence and, and it could be a potential trigger warning, maybe maybe avoid reading it. Um, there's no there's no weakness in, in staying away from some of that stuff. I completely understand it. But, yeah, it's, it's brutal to read. And I do have to point out these are allegations. He has denied these allegations. But Omar Vizquel was the Tigers' first base coach during the Brad Ausmus era from 2014 to 2017. And before I really jump into my thoughts on the story and how it connects to the Detroit Tigers, I will say that last year when I was really, really rolling on Twitter, I was adamant in my belief and gotten many an argument with people on the Twitter sphere about how I believed Omar Vizquel had absolutely no business being in the Hall of Fame and going to Cooperstown as a player. And while obviously I I still believe that, my opinions on this story have zero connection to how I feel about Omar Vizquel as a player. That this stuff here is far more serious and what I think about him as a player, that stuff doesn't matter here. It doesn't matter what player is attached to these allegations. Uh, I would still discuss them because they're serious and they're very very important and sadly they do connect to the Detroit Tigers. When you read this article, the timeline basically says Omar Vizquel's wife, I believe soon to be ex-wife, she has since filed for divorce, it said that she had accused him of domestic abuse and that in January of 2016, when Omar Vizquel was still working for the Tigers, he was removed by police in handcuffs from their home in Washington and placed into a patrol car. It was not Blanca's, that's his wife, Blanca's only documented allegation of domestic abuse lodged against her husband. This does reflect poorly on the Detroit Tigers, sadly, because for people who don't remember, when Brad Ausmus was fired by Alavila in September of 2017, one of the first people that the Tigers interviewed for the managerial vacancy was Omar Vizquel. This was less than, or, or just a little, just over a year, about a year and a half after his arrest for domestic abuse. Now, I did see somewhere that the Tigers did send him to counseling for domestic abuse. I don't know if that was the Tigers that did that or if that was a court-ordered thing or if he did it on his own. I'm not sure. But in the in the time in between, he was interviewed by the Detroit Tigers to be their manager and in the time in which he was arrested. In between those two events, he did seek counseling for domestic abuse and for clearly what seemed to be some sort of anger problem. Now, when you read this article and you see how many allegations, and again, allegations here, are stacked up against Omar Vizquel, it is 
pretty staggering, and it's also angering knowing that this was a guy who was a part of the Detroit Tigers organization for several years and who they even interviewed for their managerial vacancy back in 2017. I have spoken on here many times about culture, the culture of the Tigers, the culture of other teams. Is the culture good? Do you have a winning culture? And when I talk about that stuff, it is vague. I, I openly admit it is vague because culture is, is a very abstract thing. Culture is mood, but culture is also accountability. And this is very sad to say, but it's just the truth. Pretty much every single team that has ever won a World Series has had at least one or two people on their roster that are scumbag human beings. And in recent memory especially, it's gotten better, but in recent memory especially, there have been many a player who have been accused of or even found guilty of domestic abuse in the past. I mean, look no further than Araldus Chapman allegedly shooting off a gun in his garage during a fight with his girlfriend. He's gone on to, you know, he signed a big contract with the Yankees and he won a World Series with the Cubs in 2016. Sadly, you're going to have guys in your organization, no matter how hard you may try, that are going to be legitimate scumbags. Not guys who maybe make a mistake or two, guys who have a repeated pattern of very ugly behavior. All you can do as an organization at that point is try to snuff that stuff out and avoid making that stuff regular. And when that stuff, if you're a GM or an owner, when that stuff crosses your desk, you disavow it, you veto it, and you get those people out of your organization. There have now been several instances since Avila took over as GM. I'm not including the Dombrowski era and what happened with Miguel Cabrera back in 2009. You know, obviously you, you don't want that stuff, but I'm not putting that on Avila. Avila was not in charge then. But since Avila took over, there have been several instances of players or coaches doing things that, that you don't want people in your organization doing. You go back to Chris Basio, and people forget about this. They do, but I don't because it bothers me. It, that story still bothers me, that Chris Basio, who was the pitching coach for the Tigers in 2018, was fired for making racist statements, allegedly making racist statements towards an African-American employee for the Tigers who suffered from autism. That thing was kind of swept under the rug, but that's a big deal, and that's part of culture. That's the type of stuff you can't have if you want to build a winning organization, if you want to have a cohesive organization, if you want to do things the right way. And now you have this. It's sad to say, but the hiring of A.J. Hinch, as angry as some people were about that, A.J. Hinch, as just, I'm talking character off the field. Yes, I understand you have the Astros cheating stuff, but for the most part, has proven to be a guy who's made some bad judgment decisions on the baseball field, but there's nothing to show that he's done anything horrible off of it. I think, believe it or not, he'll probably bring a bit more stability and character to this organization than people actually expect. And I know that sounds crazy given the past with the Astros, but I haven't talked about that in the video that I made when he was hired. It's like, look, you can hate him for everything that happened in Houston, but if you're going to hate him, you have to hate a lot of guys in this organization because there's people on this baseball team and in the organization right now who have done things that are even worse, not just baseball bad, like humanity bad. You know, Miguel Cabrera is, a, is an obvious example, but even I've said, look, the fan base forgave Miguel Cabrera. Many people forgave Miguel Cabrera. That stuff happened a long, long time ago. Omar Vizquel is in his 40s, I believe probably in his 50s at this point, and was allegedly, I got to say again, pulling this nonsense while a member of this organization, and not only did they retain him, 
they, they allowed him an opportunity to interview to be manager. In fairness, they didn't hire him, right? But I don't know, that, that rubs me the wrong way, and it's just another unfortunate notch on the belt when I go back and look at this organization and I start to think, you know, do they have their head on straight? Are they looking forward? Do they have the right pieces in place? I don't know. And, and this is several instances now where either someone within the organization has done something stupid that hurt the team or someone within the organization did something outside of baseball that hurt someone else. You don't hear a lot of these stories coming out of Dodgers camp. You don't hear a lot of these stories coming out of Nationals camp. You know why? Because they run a tight ship there. It's unfortunate. And the more this stuff comes out, the less likely I'm going to be to believe in the direction that the organization is going, quite frankly. So I, I hate to bring things down with a very sobering first segment, but this stuff is important and this stuff needs to be talked about. And it does sadly connect back to an organization that well, I still love, I am a little bit disappointed in. So when I come back, I'm going to talk about some of the comments that AJ Hinch made yesterday, talking to the media, discussing what he plans to do with some key members of this roster. We'll be right back. Betting on the Tigers doesn't have to be a guessing game if you listen to the new Locked On Bets podcast hosted by your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling. Get daily picks and quick-hitting advice to make the smartest possible wagers. Subscribe to the Locked on Bets podcast brought to you by betonline.ag wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back. So AJ Hinch made some comments yesterday. I believe it was kind of like a Zoom conference call because I saw many different reporters talking about this. He made two comments that I want to hone in on because I was a bit I was a bit surprised by both of them. I got to start off start out up front by saying I still believe in A.J. Hinch. I think A.J. Hinch is going to do a good job here if he's given a roster that will allow him to succeed. There's been many problems within this organization over the last several years. I just talked about some of them, sadly, in that first segment. I don't believe A.J. Hinch is going to be one of them. I believe they they scooped up a top three to five manager in all of baseball when they brought A.J. Hinch to Detroit. I'm excited about that, but he did make some comments that actually surprised me yesterday. This one being reported by Cody Stavenhagen of The Athletic. He said, and quote, A.J. Hinch seemed quite open to Miguel Cabrera playing some first base next next year. This is a quote from Hinch. I'd like him to play first base, certainly part of the games. I think freeing up the DH is important. Keeping Miggy on the field and keeping him healthy is going to be the priority. Surprising comments. Surprising comments because it seemed like last year, and I, for years, had been on the train of, please, put Miguel Cabrera at DH. Enough with him playing first. He's never been a particularly good first baseman anyway. I mean, he was never awful, but he was never elite, right? He was never Paul Goldschmidt. Let the guy hit and spend the rest of the game sitting in the dugout. You don't need him wearing down his knees. They already don't work. Have him DH. This is very surprising, especially considering the fact that last year you saw the emergence of Jamer Candelario at first base, and I think organizationally, the hope is once Spencer Torkelson gets called up, you can maybe do some things with Isaac Paredes, who knows, maybe moving him to the outfield that was talked about, but the word is still out on Paredes too, like, and I think Isaac Paredes will end up being a solid player, but like, I don't, I don't know about him being locked in to be, you know, a, one of the starting nine of the future, he's still got a lot to prove, he's very young, I think he will prove it, but you, you the idea of Torkelson potentially being at third, Candelario, who really woke up a season ago, going to first, and then Miggy DHing, I think Hinch right now is solely looking at the roster that they're going to be having for 2021. 
you know, who knows who they're going to sign. I mean, right now it's just a waiting period to see which average 30-something player they decide to add to their major league roster. But right now, though, if you look at the roster, you don't really have a third baseman. I mean, I guess you could try Harold Castro out there. I, If you want, you can move Jamer back to third. And if that was the case, then it opens up a spot at first base. You could re-sign C.J. Crone, and if you do, my guess is Crone would probably man first base and Miggy would move to D.H. But right now, they don't have a first baseman other than Miggy and Candy. And Candelario is a good enough athlete to play third base. We saw him in several occasions take big strides at the third base position a year ago and even in 2019 as much as he might have struggled. I'm surprised by these comments. But I think Hinch is is subtly saying here that, look, we're going to kind of have to be forced to play Miggy at first base because we don't have any other first baseman. Yeah, Jamer could play there, then who's going to play third? I think Hinch's goal right now is to have a lineup with the nine best hitters, and if Harold Castro has to play third base, uh, you're not putting out your, your best nine, honestly, so... I, I was surprised by these comments. I hope it doesn't happen, and we're so early on in the process right now. The other comment he made, he spoke very highly of Nico Goodrum, and this is from Jason Beck on Twitter. AJ Hinch brought out a Marwin Gonzalez reference when talking about the importance of positional versatility. This is a quote again from Hinch. He was still an everyday player. He just didn't know what glove to take to the field, and I see that strength in Nico Goodrum. Again, a bit surprising because Nico Goodrum, gold glove finalist a year ago at shortstop. He's a great athlete. I, I, I do think that given his versatility, the idea of having a Ben Zobrist, having a Marwin Gonzalez type on the roster is very appealing. I mean, you look at the Los Angeles Dodgers right now. How many guys on that roster can play multiple positions? I mean, Mookie can do it. Mookie could play second if you wanted to. Muncie can do it. Peterson could play pretty much any outfield spot. Bellinger can play a million different positions. Grandal could play multiple positions when he was there. Will Smith can play multiple positions. And obviously, Kike Hernandez. I mean, there's eight or nine guys on that team who you could kind of pick and choose where they're going to be on the diamond. The Tigers don't really have that luxury. The only only player who you could kind of say resembles that quality, that kind of versatility, would be Nico Goodrum. I've gone so back and forth with Nico Goodrum because I don't think he's a bad player. I think he has a lot of upside, but he was terrible last year, and he strikes out a lot, and he's very inconsistent. Every time you watch him, every time he homers, every time he makes a great defensive play, you can tell that somewhere in this guy is probably a really solid Major League ball player and probably has more upside than almost anybody else in the team. I mean, I know he's kind of in his late 20s now, but I've even said this before and I'll stand by this. I think Nico Goodrum, if he finds a way to put it all together, is one of those guys that would have like a solid offensive year, but then you look back at the numbers and you go, whoa, Nico Goodrum put up a five war a year ago, and I think the reason for that is because of his versatility and because he's athletic and because he can play multiple positions. Ben Zobrist, at the, the height of his success, was the same way. I believe it was 2011. I want to say he led the American League in wins above replacement that year because of just how versatile he was, but also Ben Zobrist, just a great pure hitter as well. I don't know if we've been yet to see that, out of Nico Goodrum. Hopefully they find it, though, personally, because, uh, I, I, like I said, I think Nico has a lot of upside, and it looks like Hinch has kind of honed in on him potentially being a guy who could add a lot more to this baseball team than even we previously thought. So that will do it for today's show. Tomorrow's show will be a mailbag show most likely, so I'll put the word out on this show's Twitter account, and you can send those tweets and those questions 
at Locked On Tigers. Thank you very much, everybody. You can follow me on Twitter at Castellani2014. That's at C-A-S-T-E-L-L-A-N-I-2014. You can follow the show on Twitter at Locked on Tigers. While you're at it, go to Apple Podcasts, go to iTunes, leave a written positive five-star review of this program. It would be much, much appreciated. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. I will see you tomorrow, most likely for a Friday mailbag show. Have a great rest of your day, and go Tigers.